Welcome to the Happy in the Mess podcast. We are your hosts, Marlena, Sherry, and Matthew. We are therapists and coaches, and we want to share our own stories with you, as well as the wisdom, insights, and tips we've learned along the way. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Welcome to the Happy in the Mess podcast. We love that you join us each week. Please comment, like, and subscribe. If one of our episodes might help someone else, please share it with them. We're here today to talk about emotions. We all have them and they can be pretty strong. So what should we do with them? I'm Sherry, the couples relationship coach. And today I have Marlena, the spiritual dating coach and Matthew, the misfit coach. I can't wait to hear what they have to say about how we manage our emotions so they don't manage us. So I'm wondering, how are you guys showing up in the world these days? Mm. Well, I am currently on a meditation freebie that I'm giving out because I do believe that meditation is the answer to a lot of problems. So (laughs) I created a guided one for 15 minutes. You can get that at coachmarlena.com slash meditation. And yeah, uh, let me know how it works out for you if you use it. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm actually uh, right now just really kind of in a switching gears process with coaching. We're really trying to pivot and dial into to what we do well. So we're really starting to kind of bring out spirituality, bring out um, whether it's helping pastors who are burned out or people who are going through some uh, religious trauma, we'll just call that. Uh, and so I was able to have kind of a deep dive with some people on that this week. Um, so definitely for those that are interested, uh, they can definitely follow. And I think we're going to see more and more of that over the, the coming months. That's great. That's great. I am in the middle of a, the first run of my program. Uh, it's a dating program for married couples help them break out of roommate syndrome and the feedback that I am getting from couples is just overwhelming just that it's helping them connect it's also helping them deal with some problems but not too much work and so I'm really loving that that program I'm going to run that again in March so looking forward to that awesome definitely so what are emotions we all have them but they also feel really challenging to describe or put some some understanding of what they are. So I wonder for you guys, what are emotions? Emotions are things that we feel. I mean, they are feelings and they're called that because we actually feel them in our body. So I find that um, when I'm still, I can locate the feeling like where it's actually showing up. Sadness often shows up in my throat area, for example, worry and panic will show up in my stomach, um, as, as pain and discomfort. So, uh, there are things that we feel and experience in the, in our bodies. And I think they can be lumped into the big categories of happy, mad, sad, glad, afraid, or afraid. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Do you find that you all, you always feel that emotion in the same place in your body? Not necessarily, but some emotions tend to hang out in certain places for me. And um, they're sort of my tells. And I think every body, literally body, has their own set of tells. Um, I know, for example, when I'm feeling very stressed and overwhelmed because I'm holding some negative belief, perhaps about my business or career, whatever it is, 
my shoulders begin to get really tight. And I might notice my shoulders getting tight before I recognize that I'm stressed out or I'm, I'm, or I'm thinking a negative thought on a loop. Um, so paying attention to the tells in my body helps me kind of sort out, tease apart what it is I'm actually feeling. Mm, that's really good. Matthew, what about for you? Definitely. And I, I think with emotions, there really is that component. Um, there's this idea that we we experience something and it, it, it gives us a, for lack of a better term, maybe a feeling in our body. Um, and there's both the, the physiological response, which Marlene, I love that you said, like, where does that show up in our body? Um, and we do, we have a physiological response to emotions. You can, you can watch people and, and see what's going on. I love that watching movies, um, watching, you know, sports, even if you look like you can, you can just see it in people, you can see what they're going through. Um, and, and that's just it. There's this physiological response. And then there's a behavioral response or an expressive response, which I think is also part of that emotion. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, I like those, the, the big ones that we have. Um, I think the, I, I go back to, I think it was Ekman, if I remember right, um, back in the seventies, it kind of identified the six core emotions of, of that um, fear, disgust, anger, surprise, happiness, sadness, you know, the, the inside out characters, um, basically, um, you know, and, but they also have nuances within that. Um, and I think that's where, as we start to learn emotions, there's degrees of all of these things and there's bleed over between them and they combine. And, uh, so it becomes a very subjective thing. I don't know that as we were talking about this, I'm like, how do we even quantify something like this. I, I think it really does maybe transcend some, some of the intellectual experience. Mm. Yeah. As I'm listening to you guys, I realize that I think about emotions almost like a color or a mood that mm -hmm. then overlays on the thoughts and the experiences that we're having. And mm -hmm. so that's probably why it's so hard to put into words what they are because mm -hmm. they're, they kind of permeate everything or like they put a layer on everything. Mm. Mm -hmm. I like that. You know, I was reading somewhere and, you know, I don't know if this is actually true, but like um, apparently blind people can hold colors and, and pick up on a different vibe that they have, you know, uh, that they feel differently even. So to your point, like colors can make us feel a certain way. Um, and they do, you know, everything sort of has its own little vibration going on. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's very curious that you were to mention that. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So what happens when we let our emotions have the reins? Are there times that that's helpful or is that hurtful? What do you guys think? <laughs> well, Matthew, one, of, one of my first clients, I love this because when I went into therapy, you always have this idea, like this preset, maybe good or bad emotion, right? Um, and, and you know, so many people talk about anger management and they have this rough relationship with their anger. Um, and I remember one of my first clients was somebody who had been pushed around by somebody close to them emotionally, more emotionally speaking. Um, so they, and refused, they refused to do anything. Um, and they would internalize all of these feelings and they hated themselves and they were upset. And it, it just perpetuated all of this uh, emotional stuntedness almost. Um, and as we were talking and trying to get them to have the new experience with their anger, 
um, they they came up with the the mantra uh, that anger gets stuff done, um, and I'm like, man, I want that needle pointed somewhere. Like I want this nice little you know little painting with all the little nods here that like anger gets stuff done. So I think there are times that when when emotions have the reins, it's it's not a terrible thing. Um, we have to be careful. Uh, there is a degree at which this becomes harmful. We don't want to, have, of course, go off getting angry with anyone. But again, I think this speaks to the subjective experience of it, that everybody's going to have a different relationship with a similar emotion. I wonder if it's always anger that is the motivating emotion for people. Because like when I think about that, sometimes anger is emotion, is motivating for me, but a lot of times happy is or sad is so hmm. i wonder if that's you know that pillow would have to be different for each person mm -hmm. well and i also think too you know yeah every the pillow would be different for each person because we all express emotions differently and then may take different actions according to the emotion i often find that like anger can be a cover-up with my clients for sadness you know it's easier and, and safer to express anger than it is to admit I'm actually really hurt by what happened. It's like a shield. So like emotions can have different layers to them as well. And um, I think emotions are like our guardrails that tells us when we've sort of veered off course a little bit, especially when we're experiencing what we call negative emotion, like something's off and thank God that we are now being alerted. Like, you know, I want to like celebrate when negative emotions pop up because it's like, oh, you're getting a message. Something's off. What can you do? What is it telling you? What's off? And I love the anger one um, because I think oftentimes too, anger is an indication that perhaps boundaries have been broken in some way. And it's a call to reestablish a boundary. It can be, you know, in a lot of cases, um, sadness may be an indication that I'm having a negative thought about myself or about others. And that's usually like very hurtful. Um, and so a lot of it's changing our thinking. I, I think where a lot of clients get tripped up, even in myself sometimes is oh, I'm feeling this way. What was I just thinking about? My thoughts have led to that feeling something. And usually nothing in my outside circumstances changed. I can feel miserable or extremely excited and nothing has changed in my outside world. It, they are so powerful. Our thinking, our thoughts are so powerful to dictate how we feel. And it's sort of getting a hold of the thinking that helps us change the feeling. If, I mean, this is why I'm such a proponent of mindfulness and meditation. I mean, first you've got to even become aware what was I thinking that created this feeling? It's very hard to do, but once you get better at it, it gets easier, you know, like to be like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking that thought about that person, or I'm complaining about my boss in my head, or, you know, I think I'm going to be, you know, living under a bridge with a paper bag, like, because I, I don't have enough clients, you know, or whatever it is, like I'm having those thoughts that, that are then creating this panic, this fear, this whatever. Yeah, I think this is one of the reasons why CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, has been so powerful because it makes you slow down and look at how the event triggers the thought that then triggers the emotions and that you have a lot of control over that thought that then has a lot of control over those emotions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, like I said, it's not even an event. It's some scenario I've conjured up in my mind that now has produced. And see, this is the beautiful thing. If I can conjure up a scenario that makes me feel bad, that means I can conjure up a scenario that makes me feel good. Hmm. Like there is some power and control in, in that. Yeah, yep. no, it's very powerful. So 
But what about the opposite? What happens when we ignore our emotions or stuff them down and pretend they're not there? Mm. I, I had a 91 Honda Civic that has become the object lesson for this thing. And literally just a couple years ago, it finally, uh, we, we allowed it to, to pass into the, the netherworld of cars. Um, and this thing, I mean, it was a, a Christmas tree of a dashboard it is you, you turn on and like the, the check engine light is on and the oil pressure lights on and the battery lights on <laughs> and the, uh, the RPMs were completely off. So it always, or that, um, yeah, the RPMs were up the, the speedometer didn't work. So it was anywhere from zero to, to like, I would literally be cruising around the neighborhood at 90 miles an hour, um, or 85 miles an hour, uh, <laughs> the whole dashboard was completely messed up on it's gone so don't come hunt me down uh, i am i'm no longer living with that so um but it gives that great example because thankfully i had checked in with things that check engine light was it was a sensor that meant nothing um the speedometer i have my i would use my um gps and make sure i had the speed on there so that i didn't attract the uh, attention of the local law enforcement in a negative way as much as i love working with them uh not so much when they're behind me with their lights on but all those things i had checked in on but if if you ignore those the car could potentially be in really rough shape that's where you know if you run without oil or if you're going too fast and that's what happens when we completely ignore our emotions is we're going to hurt our bodies. We tend to hurt the people around us. Um, and a lot of times we do it with good nature. Like, I don't want to let this thing out. And, you know, so we we tighten it up and we don't let our emotions come out. But they're part of us. And it's just like everything else in nature. If it doesn't get released, it's if we doesn't get released in a controlled way, it's going to find some other way out, usually in a very negative ex explosionary way or it's where it's going to hurt our bodies um any any number of things mm -hmm. wow. those are really good examples um i like how it's how matthew you talked about like we end up hurting ourselves oftentimes when we ignore um our emotions and pretend like they're not there and on the other hand sometimes sometimes i think it's okay to ignore the emotion because they're not it's not based on facts you know in dbt yeah. dialectical behavior therapy skills we talk about like is my emotion based on fact or am i making an interpretation that's just actually harmful and hurtful to my being to hold this belief like and so if you know so and so didn't call me and now i start spinning a story that they don't like me and now you know they've rejected me and i'm so unlovable okay we've gone too far like those are you know we don't actually know why the person didn't call, for example, like if, you know, talking to my women who, who are interested in, you know, can, can really spin out of control with the, like these events that may be completely harmless. Um, it never serves to start telling yourself stories like that. Um, and so checking the facts, like, does my emotion fit the facts or is my emotion fitting some interpretation that we don't even know if it's true or not? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. say something yeah. very similar about the, the feeling is like, um, you know, those flags that people put on their cars that um, often for a football team or or they have different ones. Anyways, they like catch your attention. Mm -hmm. And that's what an emotion is to me is like, it's like, hey, pay attention here, pay attention. Um, but then you have to hold those feelings up against the facts and see how they fit together. So that emotion is trying to give you a message, but it's hard to interpret that message 
on its own. You've also got to put it with those facts. Yes, exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely a great explanation. All right. So when I think about emotions, I often think about them getting processed. And Matthew, what you were talking about is um, letting those emotions go unprocessed. So can you guys talk a little bit about how you work through those emotions so that they, you know, don't don't hurt you by coming out on their own? Sure. Go ahead, Matthew. Also, no, I, I, I love the idea, of course, therapy um, and, and coaching both. Um, they're both great professions that deal with emotions um, and teach us how to do that. But I think we also maybe one of the first things that I think of is, is maybe where our support system is. Um, you know, I think those are the, uh, the therapy coaching is kind of that upper echelon of, of what to do and what we do. Um, but I think maybe what I'm thinking of here is, is a lot of times with our emotions, we will, will co-regulate with other people. Um, and that's where, and this is hard. I'm, I'm, thinking these things and my introvert side is like, no, we don't need people. We need to, you know, hole up in our basement and no adventures, nobody coming to visit. Right. Um, but part of the experience I think as humans is we compare our emotions to other people. And if I'm completely freaking out, Marlena, you had a great example with if he doesn't call, right. Or she doesn't call like, okay, what I'm spinning this narrative, like, oh, they're, you know, this and this and this, or, or, I don't know, Sherry, if you've ever done this, but every mom, right, you don't get a call from your kiddo, so they're dead on the freeway somewhere. Yeah, you know, just like... I just did that recently. Okay. My kids were out biking, and they didn't come back by dark, and I'm like <laughs> calling them and texting yep. them. I'm like, this is not good. You can't do that. Right. But I couldn't con couldn't contain it in that moment. Yeah, so that, that flag is waving. We got to watch it, right? right? But I think, part again, part of processing is we're going to co-regulate with somebody else. Right. Are they freaking out about the same thing or can they provide some of this balance for me? Um, you know, if they're not as upset about this, then I can regulate with them um, and really work through it. So I think that's maybe one of the components we haven't talked about, but um, is that there is a group emotional experience um, that we can really rely on in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that example. And that's really powerful of how we can use that for benefit. The other side of that is the studies that have been done of people in a crisis mm -hmm. and they look around and say, oh, everyone else is calm. It must be OK. Mm -hmm. And it takes someone like breaking through that to say, oh, you know what? There's really a problem and we need to get out of here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and validating, I mean, you're, this is about validating our, our emotions and acknowledging their presence and that um, even if we did kind of conjure them out of nothing, or if they are actually fitting the facts, you know, the house really is burning down and we need to react appropriately to that scenario. Um, it's so helpful. You know, we talk about a lot about in DBT um, and I'm trained in this. So it comes, it can, comes up a lot is when you do validate, even if the emotion doesn't fit the fact, you just validate the fact that the emotion's there, it calms it down almost instantly. And it allows you to then respond rather than react. Yes, I'm having this. Okay. Now what, you know, it, just take a little breather and be like, okay, now what, um, you know, I was on vacation last week and, uh, I noticed that I was having thoughts 
again, nothing was happening in my actual environment. Just my own thinking was causing some sense of sadness within me. And I noticed that I had set up a time to go play tennis and I went and played and I felt so much better. And it was a reminder to me that movement is a great way to process emotions. It got me out of my head into my body. And as my yoga instructor used to always tell me, you know, the issues are in your tissues. The issues are in your tissues, work out the tissues. And it did, it worked out the negative thinking. It worked out my body. And plus it gave me that whole, you know, high, the adrenaline of, of cardio and, and that, it was 20 at least I was out there for like an hour and I was just feeling high the rest of the day. It was such good. It was better than an hour sometimes of talking about it, moving my body's movement as well as like meditation, breathing, and then talking to people who will validate your emotions. I think that is the benefit of having a good friend, a good coach, a good therapist, someone who just says, yeah, yeah, that's rough. You know, yeah. didn't call. I can imagine the stories that you're telling yourself about that. That's hard. Yeah. In addition to those, I would add um, the turning it into something else. Uh, One of my daughters is very much into art and I watch her like work through emotions. She'll be upset or she'll be sad and she'll spend some time drawing and be able to turn that into something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Creative expression. Yeah, Mm -hmm. a lot of art music comes out of a lot of negative feelings yeah yeah i had a novella that i worked on uh at one point in time um and it's a nature man versus nature kind of thing and uh it's it's about a woman whose father brother and husband go off on a fishing trip and um the title is only two came back so there's obviously a survival element to it um and I was talking with a group at one point in time of authors and like, where'd you come up with the idea for this? And I was like, well, it's like my father-in-law, my brother-in-law and I all went out on a fishing trip uh, one day and, you know, immediately everybody jumps to like, did this happen? I go, oh no, nothing happened. It was eight hours of the most, and, and dad, I love you, uh, but it was eight hours of the most boring time ever. <laughs> like we caught nothing. We did nothing. Um, It was just the three of us awkwardly sitting on this boat together, but anxiety turned this into what's the worst that can happen. And it turns it into this story. Um, And, you know, in that case, it was, it was purposely manufactured. It was harnessed, you know, but I, again, using that artistic expression, it's just as easy to take anxiety, take fear, take anger, take disgust, even happiness and turn it into you know, artworks, music, um, turn it into, to a visual art, written art. Um, mm-hmm. and it helps, it helps to process through it, I think. Well, also to this point though, I think, oh, we as humans really like the drama a little bit. Sometimes we mm-hmm. like to be taken to the low so that we can experience a higher mm-hmm. high. I mean, sometimes we sort of do it to ourselves and you know, just to generate a little bit of excitement. I mean, <laughs> You know, in the absence, you know, you didn't have any on your fishing trip, but you made a whole story that did have mm-hmm. the drama. Yeah. Element. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it is well, and, and maybe that speaks to that idea of emotions. And, you know, for those who are maybe more afraid of them um, or, or unsure how to do this, um, it really speaks to, I think, maybe the the idea that they add really a core dimension to the human experience um, without mm-hmm. them. It's it, things would not be the same. Uh, we wouldn't be yeah. the same as people. Yeah, it'd be pretty boring. You know, mm-hmm. it would be pretty boring if we didn't have the contrast. Like, thank God for the contrast of having a negative to even understand and appreciate the positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, 
in our, the average human emotion, I did look it up last 90 seconds. We perpetuate them. I think that's the, I love perpetuating a great feeling. I don't like it when I feel powerless against a negative one, but you know, as, um, Abraham Hicks often says, like, just go to sleep, take a nap, take a rest, mm-hmm. like eat a good meal, like do something else to focus on something else. Um, take often a shower. Take a shower. Yeah. Like do something to take your mind off of it. Especially if you're spiraling, you know, circling the drain, like go do something else. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it's really important to care how we feel. They're there for a reason. They're messengers. And it's, I think one of our duties almost to ourself as an act of self-respect and care is to really actually pay attention and care about how we feel. So where do you guys come down on the question of distraction? And whether distraction is a good way to work through emotions or whether it just pushes that down the road. I think it all depends. Distraction can be super helpful actually sometimes um, and needed, especially when there's no actual crisis. The house isn't actually burning down. Distraction is a great tool, you know, but if you're in the middle of a crisis, distraction is going to uh, sometimes make it worse. Um, it depends on what the situation calls for. If it's like really conjured up and your emotions not fitting the facts, Excellent. Go play Wordle, go play like Sudoku, like call a friend, take a walk, you know? Yeah. Distraction's fine when it's sort of uh, self-induced drama. Hmm. Okay. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I think that mindful approach, you know, and you, you, it's really a dialogue with the emotions. What do you need right now? What do you need at this point? And right. Because sometimes the emotions are going to say, we need to do something. Right. We need to take an action, take a positive uh, positive action of some sort. Um, there comes a point, I think, a lot of times when things are overwhelmed or where we don't know what to do. And as we start to tip that balance into, oh, the the upper vagal levels where we are panicked and immobilized and not able to handle this stuff. A lot of times when we're being flooded, um, where I think it's OK to say I'm going to intentionally give myself a chance to just to process and emote or distract and shut down. That's that's part of it too. Um, I am probably no surprise, uh, a big proponent of video games for this, um, not in the sense of let's lose ourselves for hours. I have been on that scale of things, um, but I've had days that have been really difficult. And I look to my wife and I'm like, I need to go hack and slash with a lightsaber for X number of minutes. <laughs> and I always try to set a time limit. You know, like I want to, I'm going to disengage from this world. I'm going to go to a galaxy a long time ago, far, far away, get all this out. And then I'm going to come back and see where I'm at with this. Yeah. I think that's a really good example because uh, for me, I'm always concerned about that line between distraction and numbing Mm -hmm. and 45 minutes of playing a game where you zone out and really can get that break that can be really helpful, but four hours of doing the same thing, really, Mm -hmm. you're just disconnecting in a way that you are pushing that down the road and you are eventually going to have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what about when you're with someone whose feelings are overwhelming? What is that experience like and how can you manage that? Run, don't walk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no way regulation here yeah. just get out <laughs> i mean sometimes i think that's a legitimate response is to walk away because um i think it's tempting it, it is very hard to me if you're feeling in uh in a, if you're in a good mood and the person you're with is not if they're angry they're sad who knows what what all 
Um, to be the dominant positive emotion in the room can be very challenging. It's, it's difficult not to get um, kind of sucked into that or thinking that somehow you're responsible for someone else's feelings. When in fact, everyone I believe is responsible for their own feelings. I can maybe make it worse or a little bit better, but ultimately like you're in charge of you and I'm in charge of me. And so um, I think legitimately, sometimes it's appropriate to walk away. And sometimes I think it's appropriate to sit and um, help that person either talk about what they need to talk about or to help them distract again, mm -hmm. if especially if it's again, self-induced and there's nothing to do about it. Um, or, you know, invite them for a tennis match. I loved banging around a tennis ball to help me get out all kinds of negative emotions. So, you know, that would be the most helpful for me. So I'd be like, Hey, Marlena, you go out and hit it on the court and be like, yep. Let's do that. That would be my sort of go-to. Or go for a walk or go yep. hit golf balls. Lots yeah. Of doing that. yeah. Take a swim. Let's go to the beach. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it goes back to that idea of the co-regulation. Um, are, are we regulating together or are we dysregulating? Um, mm. And working with empaths and sensitives, by and large, that what we have to work with constantly is how to, we're, we're the other way, where we have to kind of work on putting those walls up uh, around emotions, because especially as somebody's just learning this process, they're, you know, they'll, they bleed all over everybody next to them. And, you know, and they, they connect in with that. And now they're sad, or they're angry, and they're, you know, and they don't know why. And it's because yeah. they've emotionally bonded or mirrored to this mm -hmm. other person. Um, and maybe the analogy might be uh, the regulated person is standing up here on a chair and that the dysregulated person's at the, on the floor. If you have the strength and stability to pull this person up, then it's a great idea to regulate together. If you find that they're going to pull you down, that may be the time, Marlena, you said it, you know, we have to maybe run away or we have to disconnect mindfully for a little bit. Um, so I don't know that there's one, uh, like everything else in this conversation, I think we, we have uh, a lot more, uh, there's a lot more complicated reasoning behind everything. Yeah. And it might depend on how close you are in that relationship, how much you invest in that. But sometimes mm -hmm. even with those closest to us, it is more helpful to give them space and time to work that out than for us to like be in that mix with them. Yeah. Right. Right. We, because, because if we can't, if we're matching, we don't want to match, especially if it's a negative emotion and it's, it's hard to help someone with a negative emotion. If we start to match it and react equally to it, mm -hmm. I've seen this a lot in my hospital work, uh, a patient or a, usually a family member of a patient, super angry, yelling at the doctors or the nurses or the staff. And if they react in the same way, it just escalates the conflict. And that's not really what they're looking for, you know, but it's really hard not to be reactive in that moment mindfulness is so helpful. If you have a practice, mm -hmm. like keep at it because this is when your meditation off the cushion matters. It's like, if I'm going to deescalate, I need to be able to match it with something a little different than what they're giving me. And not just matching it. A lot of times people will actually fuel it. Um, in working with couples, it's often helpful for them to have someone to go and process some things in a safe environment. But so often, They'll go and talk to someone who's like, you can't let them treat you that way. And, you know, you can't put up with that. And that just fuels that emotion rather than helping to contain or process it. Oh, so helpful. Actually, I'm so glad you brought that up, Sherry, because I've had this conversation with people before around they've gotten too much information from their community 
And now they, they think they ought to feel this some kind of way about their spouse or friend or, you know, that they didn't initially weren't even feeling. And it's like they were implanted with the way they ought to feel. And then they think, well, now I should be angry or I should feel ashamed at this or what have you. And it's like, oh no, (laughs) sometimes Mm -hmm. we can check in with too many. And so checking in with ourselves and our inner being is so important to be like, how how does my inner being look at this? How does my, like, I like to think of it like that. How does my inner being feel about this? Like, how do I really feel about that? Not like what I ought to feel about this, if that makes sense. Yeah. And a trusted person who you know is going to be able to stay calm in that situation and help you sort it out and then point you back to that other situation or that other person. Yeah. And I think that might be the one one area I might gently challenge a little bit, Marlene. And and I appreciate what you said with the negative emotion, the positive emotion, but I, I think even more so maybe a, a regulated versus a dysregulated emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, anger, anger can have a lot of times we treat it like it's a, it's a negative emotion, but it's, it's again, it gets stuff done. It, it sure. tells us that, yeah. that, you know, I, I, the example I'll use sometimes, you know, if somebody comes along and, and, shoves your, your your spouse or child in the grocery store I, I don't want you to say please excuse me you know I, I think this is not a nice thing right I would expect you to be angry with that right, right? but there's a regulated anger and a dysregulated anger um, and to the point I think that's what I heard was the dysregulated anger is when you have 23 voices all telling you you know leave this person you know goodbye Earl or whatever is going on here um, you know that's a that's a dysregulated because you're pulling from too many things that are are not there or may come as a shock but sometimes social media can cause emotional <laughs> outrages um, not this podcast okay <laughs> not this one this is a good one <laughs> but but the media will tell you that you're you know you should be feeling a certain way i mean and i have to laugh i've been listening to ozzy osbourne's crazy train and that's li- literally one of the verses is just like the media sells it the media tells us what we need to feel. Um, and that's dysregulated emotion, you know? Mm. Um, mm. so a lot of it's bring, bring back to me. What do I need? What does my situation need? No, I so, like that distinction. Thank you. All feelings are good. It's what you do with them that makes them good or bad. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's my approach as a therapist. I, I, I'm sure other people have different feelings with it. But I, I mean, again, I think they're just telling of where we are. It's what we do with it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right. So any last takeaways or thoughts on this topic before we wrap up? I would just say, and it wasn't mentioned earlier, but, you know, um, looking at those feeling wheels can be really helpful if you're feeling overwhelmed or don't know. I love them. And I use them a lot in my early days in counseling to help people identify where they are and also understand that certain, you know, irritation is just, is a few, is, is a far from rage, but it's on the spectrum, you know, or (laughs) to also notice like where, you know, what's really kind of at the core to help them uh, tease apart what's really going on. And also helping people identify, you know, processing emotions for me is so much as just becoming aware of what they are in my body and, and knowing my own tells, like just getting to know my, my, my issues, uh, because they'll show up you know, in my body. And I think that's so helpful for me in processing them. Yeah. I am going to definitely think a lot more about where those sit in my body. Cause I'm curious if they usually show up in the same place. So thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Matthew, what about for you? 
mine's going to be the reverse. It's to be aware of our body and how it's affecting our emotions. Um, mm. I, I completely agree, but, uh, and props to, I know they don't sponsor us yet. If they want to, it's great. Uh, <laughs> but props to Snickers for coming up with an entire advertisement based on being hangry. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. a beautiful campaign. Um, and it, and it speaks well, even though it's not a fantastic way to regulate necessarily <laughs> um, a lot of calories. Uh, but, but that idea of, let's be aware of what's going on in our body that may perpetuate these emotions. And I have to do this with my clients and my, my coaching clients too, of, are, are we hungry? Has it been a while since we've eaten? Are we putting junk into our bodies? And is that fueling our, you know, our emotions? Well, you know, I've had eight cups of coffee today and I'm feeling stressed. I wonder why, you know, <laughs> because you have 6,000 milligrams of caffeine, right? right? Or uh, because we're not sleeping. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I've had, um, clients who said, I'm super anxious today and I don't know what it is. And, um, and I'll just, a lot of times I'll just do that check-in. I was like, how much sleep we get last night? Well, it was about three hours. It's like, Hmm, maybe we want to do this. Um, so I think checking in with where your body is at in, in space and time can be super beneficial for understanding where the emotions are coming from too. Yeah. That's a great insight. Are you tired, hungry, or in pain? Like mm. there's lots of things you should not do when you're tired, hungry, or in pain. Yes. Good point. So to wrap up, I'm curious if you guys have had any situations where you had to be happy in the mess in the past few weeks. Mm. A few weeks or just today? Because, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, today is the last few weeks. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. I, you know what? There's... Um, and we were processing this a little bit before uh, before we we got on the, the recording today. And I think there's just, uh, for me, there was just this real realization of there's been a huge letdown in one area of my life um, that for a while it just really, it, it provoked any number of emotions. Um, there was a lot of sadness around it. There's a lot of anger around it some fear because it's something that used to be a support system and it's not there. Um, disgust certainly came to mind. Uh, so it, it was a very complicated ball of things. And through regulating with other people, uh, through connecting with my source, my spirituality, um, and then having a few other wonderful universal um, connections in here, um, as well as the two of you, it was a great way to just kind of process through and none of the situation changed but those emotions were able to subside and I was able to really kind of work at turning it into a growth experience um, and it really helped I think solidify even just a divine calling uh, that I have and so I think that maybe embodies the true happy in the mess philosophy here yeah also bringing back that post-traumatic growth that we were talking growth. about in an earlier episode. If you missed that, that was a fantastic episode and had a lot of really good information in it. Yeah, so true. I would just say that experience over vacation, I was in this beautiful paradise and it was just such a stark reminder of how powerful my thinking is and how it can dictate how I feel regardless of my outside circumstances. And in this case, I was in one of the most beautiful places on earth and here I am feeling some kind of way that's not matching the outside. And so, um, just reminding myself of basics. I love what you said, Matthew and Sherry, like basics really help keep my emotions regulated basics, like sleep, uh, exercise outside time for me is huge. Um, eating well, sleeping well, 
I mean, and meditating is part of my basic self-care. So these very basic things can actually, you know, it's, it's like an insurance for me, like in the bank. So when I, there's a big draw because of something, an actual crisis happens, I'm not depleted and I can handle it. Ah, yes. And getting back to that burnout stuff we talked about earlier. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my happy on the mess story is in having two daughters move out to go to college in the same week, Mm. you know, and that really being very hard to process and adapt to, but also being really proud of them and excited for them and seeing that we had accomplished something really amazing, my husband and I, by getting them to adulthood. So, yeah, yeah, I think there's lots of opportunities to find that happy in the mess when you really look for it. Yeah, I love that reframe. Uh, And that's another, I just want to dip right in again and say like, that's another tactic I use, Sherry, just that noticing uh, instead of like, I can spin the story any way I want. So like spinning this, like appreciating the things that have gone well, really helped shift, shift me out of negative thinking. Yeah. So this is a topic that the three of us could probably spend all day talking on. It's very deep because we really live in this space of working with emotions and helping people move through them. So maybe we'll have to talk about this more. It has come up in previous episodes, and I'm sure it will come up in future episodes. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are listening and have enjoyed this, please comment, like, and subscribe. It really helps us with, you know, there's algorithms we're all trying to work around. Um, If you, if one of our episodes has really spoken to you or you think it would help someone else, please share it with them. We really want to get these tips and ideas out to others. We'll be back next week with a new topic. We love sharing the insight, wisdom, and tricks we've learned over the years. So please join us.